Hi guys, I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 14 years. And together for 16. We have kids. Four kids. Which is like a thousand kids. We've also been foster parents to four kids as well. We're running a business together. We do a lot of things. That is a lot of things. <laughs> but we feel like it's possible. We know it's possible to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. That's why we decided to do a podcast together. It's called Rise Together. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we kind of get through all the things. This is it. Come on down. Here we go. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Rise Together. Dave and I, I mean seriously every week we say we're back in the closet, but we never left the closet. This is the official headquarters of the Rise Together podcast, (laughs) the floor of the master bedroom closet in our home. We're excited that you're here and we're talking about habits. We are talking about habits because we are in the midst of something we do, a community-wide challenge we do every year called Last 90 Days. So I'm going to guess if you're listening to this podcast, you have probably signed up for that email. We have about 350,000 people who are joining us to try and live the last 90 days of the year as intentionally as we tend to live the first 30 of a new year. And this week, the theme was habits, which we were just talking about this morning. It's really interesting how people have processed the habit conversation because when we do our morning live streams, we feel like they're very interested in us telling silly stories and drinking coffee. But the second we get into habits, we see people drop off. The crazy thing too is habits are how you show up in the world. And as much as I know you as a person want to believe that you are in control of the things that you do, The reality is that your habits are controlling your life. So it's really crazy to us that we feel like the community isn't as interested in this topic as they normally would be about something else. And I'm going to guess that's because maybe the topic of habit doesn't sound very sexy. But there is a reason we chose this as the theme for week two, because we feel like this is the foundation of everything else you do. If you can identify the habits in your life, you can change everything. And we thought we would share with you three great habits and one bad habit that has made a huge difference in our relationship. And we promise these are not things you've heard us talk about before. So we're not going to tell you the same stuff you've heard us say a million times already. We got a whole bunch of new stuff. I think we have to start, though, by even just taking a step back and talking about what a habit is. Because there are three critical parts of a habit that if you're just not familiar with what habits are or how they show up or how they live inside of your unconscious or how they might direct you to do things that you are not even aware of why you do the things you do, um, just understanding what a habit is, why it creates the action and the satisfaction and the reward that shows up at the end of it that it does, um, maybe you'll be able to stop yourself from doing some of the things that happen when you are triggered. A habit is broken down into three things. And by the way, if you want to dig into this more, you should definitely read the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. I read it several years ago, which is where I first really learned about this idea that a habit is, number one, a cue or a trigger. Something happens in your life. It could be as simple as opening your eyes and getting out of bed in the morning. Uh, It could be something as big and hard as stress. But something happens in your life to cue you in some way. So first thing is a cue. The second thing is an activity. 
when you're confronted with this cue, you do an activity in result of it. And finally, that activity produces the third thing, which is a reward. There's always some kind of reward that happens at the end of a habit. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. So let's say uh, it could be something as simple as every single morning, walking into your bathroom is your cue. Brushing your teeth is the activity that happens every single morning when you walk into the bathroom. And the reward is your mouth feels better and you don't have morning breath. Simple as that. Simple as that. I have been really focused in this last 90 days conversation about when triggers happen in my life. So I'd encourage you to to spend a second thinking about when you tend to be triggered, when the trigger produces an activity that may not be the best version of you showing up, even if it delivers the reward. If you can get to a, a place where you understand, oh man, every day at 6 p.m., I tend to do something activity-wise that though it produces a reward is not the best version of me showing up, you might be able to, just before that, think of some other way to show up that still, by the way, produces a reward but has you showing up as the best version of yourself. There are time-based triggers. There are situationally-based triggers when my kids come home from school, when I'm sitting in a family gathering eating Thanksgiving dinner. Whatever those things might be that situationally produce a usual behavior, the more that you can game plan how to not show up as a version of yourself that you don't like, the better off you're going to be in being that better version of you. Um, And even emotional triggers like, oh, it's when I get tired or it's when my life feels like it's a little bit out of control or whatever it might be. Um, Spend a little bit of time understanding what triggers you, when it normally happens, or what situations tend to be happening when you show up in a way that isn't great, and then you can get ahead of it and, and actually make better decisions. The reason this matters, guys, is because a habit is something that you've done so many times before. It's not conscious. It's not a conscious decision you make. This is fine and great for things that are good for you, like brushing your teeth, like making your bed, like going to the gym. But this is terrible for you when it's things that are negative behavior. So having a drink or three when you're stressed, screaming at your kids when you feel frustrated, doing things that you wouldn't choose to do if you had control, but because you've done them so many times already, it's not a conscious thought. So here are the things that we've done in our relationship. Three of them we feel like are really great habits that we've adopted as a couple, but then we felt like it was also important to talk about a bad habit that we unconsciously were doing and how we worked around it. So the first one is something we're calling constructive confrontation. And You know, like having worked in a big work environment over the course of my lifetime, this idea of radical candor is something we've talked about in live streams and I think even on episodes of podcasts. But um, the idea of pushing yourself with your partner into a conversation that constructively deals with something that you are struggling with when you notice that they are not showing up as they normally do lets you nip something before it becomes something by actively engaging them in a way that, one, starts the conversation the way that you hope to end it, but two, addresses your perception, your, your witness of their not being their normal self. Said another way, Dave and I have a habit, a very regular habit of, we say this to each other, I wouldn't say all the time, but whenever something feels off, one of us will say to the other person, 
your energy feels weird. Like, I don't know what it is. Something's wrong. Something's weird. You're not saying it. So these are not situations where we've come to our partner and we've said, hey, babe, um, when you said that kind of hurt my feelings or when you did this, I didn't feel supported. Uh, This these are more situations where one of us hasn't told the other person what's bothering us. And rather than ignore it or let it fester, the second that something doesn't feel normal to us, that's our cue. And the activity is immediately we confront it, which is why we wanted to say it is a form of confrontation, but confrontation, I'm not a confrontational person. And even that word gives me anxiety. So I wanted to find a way we're not really confronting each other in an aggressive way. We're constructively doing it. We have agreed as a couple that we want to have an exceptional relationship. An exceptional relationship means we can't let things stay buried under the rug. We can't um, let things fester. We can't let things grow worse. So when we perceive an issue with our partner, we don't even know what it is. It's always that. It feels weird. We're like, I don't know if you're hurt. I don't know if you're mad. I don't know if you're tired. And sometimes it's like, oh, no, you know what? I'm just exhausted. It has nothing to do with you. Other times it's like, ah, yeah, actually, my feelings are hurt. And I didn't tell you because of this reason. So that is a big habit in our life. Constructive confrontation. But I think in order for that to work, you've got to talk to your partner about it in advance. Oh, yeah. And I would say, too, the idea of being active participants in constructive conversation is something that will, if you haven't historically done it, just feel a little bit strange at the beginning of this as a practice for getting ahead of problems before they actually become problems. But if you're truly committed to it and you get into a routine or a habit that gives permission for both of you to have a conversation about the perception of there being something that's just a little bit off, it just becomes normal. And so any of the instinct to be defensive, any of the instinct to worry or have insecurity about why this person is saying this thing about you totally dissipates over the course of time as you just integrate it as a tool that you use to keep your relation feeling um, like it's transparent and open and and in some ways being held accountable by your partner who might be uh, even perceiving something that you as the person who's going through something isn't able to see themselves. The second great habit that we have adopted in our relationship is the idea of front loading. So I think we first heard about this from Dave's sister, who has been a teacher for like 20 years. And she talks a lot about she she was a kindergarten teacher for a really long time. And when you're dealing with kindergartners, they obviously have a lot of different emotional hurdles that they're overcoming for being in school for the first time than you would find in maybe a fourth grader. So in order to make school good for a lot of nervous or emotional little kids, Heather would talk a lot about the idea of front-loading, meaning you prepare them way in advance for what's going to happen later. So there are no surprises. So they can visualize in their mind exactly how it'll go, exactly what it'll look like. We found that we do this, well, we definitely do this in our parenting style with our own kids, so they feel prepared. But we do this in our relationship, You know, we've talked a lot about planning and how Sunday nights for us is a vehicle to get ahead of what the week looks like. But 
also even situational things that have traditionally brought out versions of ourselves that weren't the best I'll keep using Thanksgiving. I happen to love Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. (laughs) And I'm looking forward to having Thanksgiving with whoever it is that we're eating Thanksgiving with this year. But if we were heading into a situation where we knew that we as a couple or that we as individuals had traditionally been triggered by people or that setting or sometimes, you know, you get back with family and you regress back into the roles that you played when you were a child birth order wise. And we'd have a conversation about what it would look like if we were to walk into that situation, understanding all the things that were going to be thrown at us and how our subconscious usually would have us show up and instead be super intentional about wanting to acknowledge those things and give zero power to them existing so that we could actually show up as the version of us that we want and and that we want to be uh, while we're with those people. Another example of front-loading would be I am in a really exhausting season right now because I have a book due at the end of November. As I'm recording this, it's the beginning of October. I have a book due at the end of November, which would be awesome if I wasn't also traveling literally once a week right now to go and speak on stages all over the world. That means I'm way more tired than I normally am. That means I have been sick for the past two weeks. Dave's had to take care of me like a baby. Uh, That means there's a lot more that will fall on Dave's shoulders as he's parenting four kids and managing things at work, just all this stuff. And so we need to be in constant communication about what does this week look like? What does this month look like? And how can we best support each other in this season that we're in? Because it's going to be more stressful than normal. We're not even considering the holidays that are in the midst of the next six weeks or anything else. So if if the, the point, the idea behind front loading with your kids or your business or yourself or your partner is this. If you wait until you are in the middle of the situation to try and get a hold of it, you're screwed. I I mean, sorry, that's not a very eloquent way to say it. But that's why we end up making decisions we wish we hadn't made. That's why we end up being a person we wish we hadn't acted like. It's because we waited for too long. If you get ahead of it, you actually have a chance of doing it the way you wish you had. And I've said this, I'm sure, at some point before, but my motto, my like thing that I stuck to for the 17 years that I was at the Walt Disney Company was this idea that the only time stakeholders in my world got upset was when they were surprised. You say the word stakeholders and it makes you sound very fancy. You use a lot of big words. Stakeholders like are just people in your life that you interact with. But that, isn't it more important than that? Stakeholders are like, aren't they the important people? I'm genuinely asking because you use the word all the time. Well, I mean, they're they're people that you hopefully are exchanging value with. So they like matter. my they matter. They're important people in your life. And the you know, role that I had then was making sure that there was real clarity on what we were expecting movies would do when they came out in the universe. Here, expecting like expectations are something that all of us have. And if there is a way, because of this practice of front loading, to level set what really we think is going to happen, the 
possibility of surprise and surprise being the, the trigger for people getting upset, it just goes down so dramatically. So um, whether you're putting movies in theaters or trying to maintain a super healthy relationship, the more that you can get ahead of how your life is going to show up and how you may need one or the other of you to assume roles that you may not normally assume because of travel or being sick or whatever it might be, the less likely you will be surprised and the more likely you will be um, happy and, and expectation managed through whatever life throws your way. This week for us, there were two parent-teacher conferences that showed up. I was going to take care of one. <coughs> this week, there were two parent-teacher conferences that showed up. I was taking care of one. Rachel was taking care of the other. And then as it turned out, Rachel wasn't feeling well. She needed to run to the doctor and argue about whether she can get on a Z-Pack <laughs> or not. And so, you know, that morning we had a conversation about how the day may be interrupted by her being sick. Well, guess what? When three o'clock came around and she, in fact, still didn't feel well, it wasn't a rug pull that was happening in real time because I'd been front loaded in the morning that there was a chance that I was going to have to leave the office and roll into a first grade classroom and sit in a very small chair. <laughs> All right. The third habit that we have adopted, because we wanted to do one that was fun and not quite so serious because we really think that the strength of our relationship in a lot of ways is the fact that we are best friends. We have so much fun together. We are that couple that, and I was, uh, I had, was talking to some girlfriends who are similar to this, that I could hang out with Dave for a hundred days straight forever. And I would not be sick. Like on the hundred and first day when we had to go back to our regular lives, I would miss him. And I could hang out with Rachel for 100 days and I would love 98 of those. <laughs> I don't know which two would throw me. I'm kidding. No. I would be as happy a hundred percent. Totally agree. We are maybe a weird exception to the rule in that we do not tire of each other, which is great, but having fun, the habit of, inside jokes and yeah, that was just our habit, yeah inside jokes because it's more specific than fun is that we have a lot of things that are only funny to us and we this sounds so weird but we like expand and grow the inside joke that like stuff that we've been carrying around forever and ever and ever we did this thing for a while because <laughs> we're so we're such nerds but we had such a fun time with it in my previous life, I had, we had a ton of super fancy events that required us to dress up nice and hang out in rooms of people that all were important, or at least they believed they were important. And like once a week, we had to go to these events. And the first like 10 times you do it, you think it's fun. And like the 72nd time, you're like, I just want to be home in my sweatpants. So we had to come up with a way. How could we make these events fun for us, even if no one knew it? So we came up with an inside joke game, which you can feel free to steal because uh, well, I guess only if you're as nerdy as we are and you think it's funny too. So our game for these <laughs> events, are you going to cough every time? <laughs> Sorry. So, the, so, so our game for these events was identifying a like not totally normal word that you would use in everyday speak. We each got to pick a word. So like, let's pick a word. Let's each pick a word right now as if we were playing the game. The one that I think we've told the story about most oh, okay. was my word was trajectory yeah. and your word was 
I thought my word was trajectory. Oh, maybe your word was trajectory. And your word was three trees in a bushel. No, no, no. That was a saying. That was that was the bonus round. Okay. All right. Hold what on. We got we got to we got to back up because no, now, no, no. It's funny. It's funny. Um, mine was trajectory, and yours was. I can't remember. Think of another word though, like trajectory. Uh, sanitation. Okay, so you just pick a word that you would never at a fancy cocktail party use in normal conversation. And then our mission was, because at these parties, you'd have to talk to a bunch of different groups. The mission was, if you could use either one of the words, we'd come up with it on the car on the way over, and we'd be like peeing our pants laughing, thinking of how we're going to say it. But if we could use that word in a sentence in a normal way, you got a point. So for instance... And we'll walk up to a group of people and I would be, we're just making idle chit chat. And it'd be like, man, I mean, the trajectory of this night could really just go anywhere. Am I right? Like, it would just be this random thing. And you had to, as the other person, to like not have more points head that person's way, keep a completely straight face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot break character. It has to be normal. And these words, like the word sanitation, when and how would you use that in a sentence that maybe nobody thinks this is funny. We thought it was hilarious because imagine that we're interacting with like some of the biggest producers, some of the biggest executives in the industry who take themselves so seriously. And we would be like, you know, what do you think? What do you think the sanitation is like here at the Beverly Hills Hilton? Like, do you think that they really... <laughs> we thought it was hilarious. Okay, and then bonus round. And the bonus round was then coming up with a saying that did not make sense. I mean, that was the point. It did not make this sense. this never changed. We only had one saying that we made up. And the saying was, three trees in a bushel. Three trees in a bushel. And you, that was our saying. We are like... People in, sorry, this is terrible to people in the Hollywood entertainment industry, but you'll agree with this. People in that industry are so terrified of like not being in the know or not being cool that even if you said something that had, that made no sense, but you delivered it with utter confidence, they would agree with you. So our saying was three trees in a bushel, which you're like, where'd that come from? We made it up. It was like some weird combination of (laughs) shooting fish in a a barrel. And a, a bird in the hand. Yes. But, like, regardless, and it would be one of these things where, like, you're in the middle of someone trying to, like, convince you that there's a big new market that's going to open up, whatever, and then you just so confidently would have to deliver. It's like three trees in a bushel, am I right? And they always would be like, that is exactly what it's like. And we would pee our pants laughing on the way home. I have no idea if those of you listening to this are laughing with us or if you think we're so weird. And there's a chance you think we're so weird because guess what? It's our inside joke. That's our habit. So whatever your inside joke is with your partner, just that's a big deal. Having fun is a big deal. It's worth reaching for. It's worth striving for. It's worth making bigger and better all the time. So if you don't have some inside jokes, get some. And by the way, this is, I know we sometimes substitute the word intimacy for sex. The idea of inside jokes, having them and using them in this kind of a way is a form of intimacy. It's something that exists exclusively between you and your partner that. In pulling it off, there is something that brings you together and there's a pride involved in the creativity that's required to deliver a three trees in a bushel straight face confidently yeah. that lets you like get back in the car 
like excited about the adventure that you just went on, it doesn't have to be coming up with funny words to inject in conversation with people that are important or yeah, self-important. It, it can be anything. <coughs> Sorry. It could be uh, movie quotes from your favorite movies. It could be a joke that you love. It could be an activity or a hobby that you guys just do together that nobody really gets. Maybe you're into cosplay or maybe you really love first-person shooter games or maybe you, like, I don't know. But do you have something, do you have a habit, an activity that you do with your partner that is exclusive to you guys that makes you feel like you're in a little club of two? Because that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, very beginning of our relationship, the thing that basically fertilized the lawn that would grow into our marriage, that doesn't make sense, was <laughs> um, Rachel would send the first line That's right. of a lyric to a rap song, yep. and I would reply back with the next line, yep. and the rule and was, it. right, you're not allowed to Google it. So it was like a, a real-time test of, like, your knowing rap music yeah. which like you know like for some people you're like what why like why not worship music okay good it could have been that but for us it ended up being rap music yeah. and that for us 16 years ago is still a thing that every once in a while shows up where you say you know chickety check yourself before, before you wreck, wreck yourself because shotgun bullets are bad for your health that's right rachel could answer that or <laughs> i could answer that because we know that that was one of the things that started a relationship anyway find your thing have some fun it is a kind of intimacy that is an important ingredient in a great relationship all right now for the bad habit here we go because we got one this was dave idea dave's idea he was like if we're gonna have three great habits we should also talk about a bad habit that we've fallen pray to many times and how we have learned to circumnavigate it. We're still learning to circumnavigate it, but the idea in this bad habit is one of you at any given time is going to be showing up for life better than the other. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, like if you're not the lead horse, as it were, in the relationship, that you're bad. It just means that just because of the way the world works and the way that life shows up for each of you as individuals, one of you is just going to be a little bit stronger, a little more committed to making good choices, a little more committed to the way they think about health and wellness, a little bit more committed to how they are thinking about parenting or whatever it might be. And the habit that can be bad is if the person who is in that position of being in a better mindset, stronger, making better choices, defaults to the lower common denominator of the person who is struggling. You have to have the person who's the stronger of the two in the moment be the person that's driving the ship of your relationship. They're the captain, and that captain's chair is something that has to be yielded when the other person goes through whatever they do and ultimately now isn't the best person to be setting the bar, setting the standard for how you have a conversation, how you raise your children, how you choose to eat or drink or whatever it might be. The example of this in our relationship is, I think we've talked about it a lot, but I tend to be the one that's more focused on growth. I tend to be the one who's more maybe conscious of health or uh, different things like that. And that's great, except for when I get sick 
or when I get tired or when something happens where I start to revert to bad habits of mine, like old emotional habits that I used to make, something happens in my life that brings those back around. And Dave, because he's used to me sort of being the leader in terms of personal growth, will kind of deviate with me like, oh, okay, you're not okay, great. Yeah, let's drink the things. Let's eat the food. Let's not go to the gym. Instead of going toward that way, we've made the decision that whoever is like healthier in mind, body, spirit, whatever, their job, listen up, their job is to bring their partner back up to their level. In our relationship, we don't ever want to both be in the valley together. Whoever is stronger, it is your job to help your partner get back up to the top of the mountain. And, you know, it it could be a day. It could be a season, right? Like we have talked plenty about Rachel struggled with some anxiety. My job was to be the steerer of and captain of the ship to try and get us from where we were to where we needed to go. Guess what? She did a ton of work on her own for herself that led her from where she was to where she needed to be. We went through the summer of discontent in the midst of my kind of midlife crisis of why am I here and what am I doing as I'm making some choices that aren't great for me either in this relationship or as a dad. Rachel was very much the person who was like, come on, let's go. We're going to invest in personal development and you're going to become um, that version of yourself that you used to be that I know you can be when we were going through adoption, right? Rachel was absolutely the person who was pulling us more in this conversation until things got really hard with the twins leaving. And then it was my job to then pull us and keep us on this path to ultimately our happy ending with Noah. But each of you in your relationship are going to have times, seasons, days where you are the stronger of the two. And the, the real note here is resist the temptation, especially if you find yourself as a person who can identify as being somewhat codependent, of meeting the person in the valley and instead stand on the top of that ledge and throw ropes to your partner to help pull them out of whatever funk they might be in. Love that. (coughs) So guys, those are our three great habits in our relationship and one bad habit that we are learning in real time to get around. We hope that you found these ideas helpful and that if you liked it, you will consider sharing, sorry, I don't know why I can't use real words, that you will consider sharing this episode with your friends on social. You can take a screenshot of today's episode and tag me and Dave so that we can see, use hashtag Rise Together podcast. The greatest gift you could give us is uh, to share the message. So if you think the work that we're doing here at the Hollis Company is helpful, tell other people. That'd be awesome. And if you're listening to this and have no idea about last 90 days, well, guess what? It's never too late to join an end of year challenge. Totally free. It is 100% free. We're going to show up very consistently to try and encourage you to finish the year in the best possible way by adopting some new habits. If you're interested in more information, go to thechicsite.com forward slash 90 days. Just to clarify, that's the number 90, not the word. So 90-D-A-Y-S. We'll see you guys next week. 
Hey guys, if you liked today's episode, I hope that you will subscribe to the Rise Together podcast. You will get a notification every single time we have a new episode comes out, which is every Thursday. And take a picture, a screenshot, put it up on Instagram, tag Rise Together podcast, put it out to all of tag the humans Tag us so we can you know. see and we yeah. can say thank you. Man, let everyone know. And if you don't like it, don't tell anyone. Yeah, just keep that to yourself, sister. Please.